Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome back to the Rethinking Cyber podcast with me, your host, Rebecca McLaughlin-Easton. Today, the topic is how we can ensure that children globally can safely enjoy and benefit from the opportunities in cyberspace through a holistic approach, which naturally involves cooperations between governments, companies, and society. The Why Children Are Unsafe in Cyberspace report, developed by GCF and Boston Consulting Group, says that 93 percent of children aged between 8 and 17 are active on the internet with more than 80 percent surfing the internet daily and only 50 percent of children apparently feel safe online with children in the Middle East and Latin America facing the greatest number of cyber threats to help us get a better understanding of the challenges today and the solutions for tomorrow is Ian Drennan, who has been the executive director of the We Protect Global Alliance since its launch as an independent international institution back in April 2020. Previously, Ian led the UK Home Office's international response to child sexual abuse, and under his leadership, the UK was assessed top out of 60 countries in the EIU's Out of the Shadows Index Ian, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me from London today. Hello, and uh, thank you. It's it's lovely to be here. Ian, let's start our conversation with an overview of the situation. And for those who might be unfamiliar with your organisation, We Protect Global Alliance consists of 100 governments, 62 countries, 83 civil society organisations and nine global ones. Your entity, in essence, generates political commitment and practical approaches to make cyberspace safe and positive for children. Let's take up the story from there, because the creation of the internet, Ian, was not done with child safety in mind. So what are your organisation's missions and overarching goals? Uh, exactly. So um, we're the largest um, uh, international network focused on ending uh, child sexual abuse and exploitation online. And we were founded with the principle that uh, this is a global crime um, that crosses borders, that crosses sectors, and that therefore it requires a global solution. Um, and that also no single entity, no matter how big a country they are or how um, wealthy a company they are, can resolve this issue single-handedly. We need to um, collaborate uh, to do that. And so uh, We Protect Global Alliance brings together all the actors uh, with, the, with the power to be able to make a difference to this incredibly important issue. Ian, define for me exactly what we're talking about. What is the current state of the problem, the overall picture of the situation today? And let's define the terms in which we're discussing, that being the different forms of exploitation and online abuse. Uh, I mean, this is one of the most urgent and defining issues of our of our generation um, as more and more children are coming online and, and accessing all the benefits and opportunities of, of the internet so I'm a, I'm a father of uh, two uh, two daughters and you know particularly um, since we had the covid lockdowns they've been um, able to access so many wonderful resources they've been able to access education online. But with that, there are there are some risks, um, um, and one of those risks is uh, child sexual abuse online. Um, so that could be photographs, images, or video of um, of children 
that circulated online. We've also got um, online grooming whereby um, offenders are reaching out to, to children to try and persuade them um, to, to engage in, in, in inappropriate conduct. Um, you've got live streaming of abuse, which is is happening in, in real time, where you can have um, offenders in, in different countries almost commissioning um, uh, different um, different uh, forms of abuse um, for, for as little as $15 or, or $20. And then um, a very, very complex uh, policy issue of um, so-called self-generated um, sexual material, where that may be um, shared um, between young people, um, uh, and then it can escape into the wider internet and and uh, cause a lot of um, shame and trauma and and damage for for young people. Um, so we we've got to continue to improve our understanding of um, of, of of the scale and nature of the problem. We've we've done a lot of work. On that, um, in We Protect Global Alliance, but there's still a lot more to do. Technology is, of course, pivotal to the discussion, ever-evolving, ever-advancing. Uh, the benefits of this are clear, but perhaps not the risks, especially for children. Outline them for us, if you will. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll just give you a, a few statistics. So um, from 2019 to um, 2020, the US National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who um, receive um, mandatory port reports from, from any company that's headquartered um, in the USA. They registered a 100% increase in reports from the public of online sexual exploitation. In 2020, in, in, in just one month, um, there were, there were 8.8 million attempts to achieve um, child sexual abuse material um, tracked by the, um, by the Internet Watch um, foundations um, by, by only three of, of their member organizations. Um, so, so we're seeing um, increasing scale um, and complexity. And I think we're, what we saw with, with COVID is a large number of people coming online using the internet in different ways. Um, the internet was, for many people, the only um, outlet um, for um, to, to socialize, to engage. And so um, offenders were able to take um, advantage of that. And it, it's going to be years probably before the full scale of pandemic-related abuse is, is revealed. So I guess the question is, where do we go from here? How can we collectively turn the tide on child exploitation and abuse online? What we surely need is a coordinated global response, but how is that done in practice? We are about emphasizing the positives as an organization because yes, we're focusing on a on a terrible crime that has um, uh, that that creates terrible um, and long lasting uh, trauma. But there is hope, um, and there's a lot of positive developments that we can we can point to over the time that um, we've existed as an alliance. Um, I think the first one is that um, this as an issue, you know, the very fact that I'm doing this podcast, you know, 10 years ago, this issue was not 
on the um, agenda of the global community um, to anything like the same extent. So it's now being um, discussed by, by ministers, it's now being discussed um, in corporate boardrooms, and it's now um, a, a major focus for civil society and international organisations like the UN. That is now feeding into concrete action. So we're seeing not only uh, voluntary action from, from companies, but we're also seeing legislation and regulation from governments. Um, you've got the UK's online safety bill. Um, we've just seen um, legislation on online protection introduced in Singapore. Um, in the European Union, they're introducing um, a child's uh, sexual abuse bill. Australia have already um, introduced an online uh, online safety act. And then finally, um, technological advances. Um, so we've seen a huge growth, um, even over the past five years, of online safety companies. So those uh, companies who are going out producing innovative solutions that are enabling um, uh, children to, to, to access the internet in a, in a much safer way. Um, ways. So we've got everything from um, uh, age recognition software um, to deterrence mechanisms that are built into sites um, to, um, to, to hash matching solutions. So that's a way of identifying um, known material, um, scanning and taking that down um, uh, with the aid of um, uh, scanning software. So, so there's lots and lots of tools um, that are out there. We know enough about the response. We've got a response framework um, that you can find on our, our website, um, weprotect.org, um, that sets out the different capabilities that are required. Speaking of your framework called the Model National Response, how are countries using it? And what about the governments? Because we know that they have, of course, stepped up their efforts, but gaps still inevitably remain. How do we close them? And what legislation is really long overdue now? We are already seeing um, governments um, taking the Model National Response and using it as a, as a framework to, um, to develop their own um, strategies and responses. It's a framework for countries, regional bodies, um, companies, even to to take and adapt to their own to their own circumstances. Bringing it together um, from the expertise around the alliance, and then it's for um, it's for individual members to adapt it to their own to their own needs. Um, we recently did a review, um, which we launched at the summit, about exactly how governments are using the the model national response. So that's called framing the future and looked at 42 different countries and we did that in partnership with um, UNICEF and that really brought out um, the different ways that um, that countries are, are bringing uh, bringing um, the the different capabilities of the of the response to life um, I think in terms of legislation um, we um, we are very keen that there be um, a set of standards, um, for how um, how companies um, should respond, um, because um, at the moment where where everything is voluntary, um, there is a risk that um, if if uh, one company takes um, takes greater action and looks and finds um, more material on their their site, um, they actually get more um, negative scrutiny than a company that just turns a blind eye and looks the other way. And that's not fair. Um, and that's not 
um, delivering an effective response. So I think to have that level playing field, I think is really important. That's not to say that there's no place for voluntary action. Ian, let me pick up on your latest global summit. What were the key takeaways and what outcomes or conversations that you had there surprised or encouraged you the most? I mean, I think there was a there was a huge appetite for collaboration and engagement right across all the different constituencies that are represented in our alliance. Um, so we were absolutely um, blown away by the um, by the levels of of, um, of of participation. So we had people participating um, in person in Brussels, but we also had. Um, a, a, a virtual connection as well. And I think trying to um, draw in all of that knowledge, experience, good practice that was that was being shared was, was incredible. Um, I think the other thing that was, was a really powerful moment for me was um, we had um, uh, a large number of um, government ministers attending and joining us um, right across the world, um, both virtually and in person. So representation from, from Asia, from Africa, um, from, from the European, um, from the European Union, um, from UK, uh, from, from all around the world. And, and speaking with one voice that this is an issue that matters. This is an issue that we need to, um, we need to invest and take action on, um, and, and, and showing their, um, their commitment. One, particular example that I want to I want to pull out. Um, we, we we have um, Ukraine is is a member of the of the We Protect Global Alliance and we've been working with them for a very long time. Um, they're, they're doing some really um, exciting and innovative work in this space. And of course we we, we extended them um, an invitation to the summit and we we were um, you know after the the, the 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 events in Ukraine we were worried if they if if they would be able to come because you know they've got so much so much else happening and and uh, they told us this is a priority for us we want to come because we want to show that even um, in 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 a in a time of conflict even under the most trying circumstances possible um, this is an incredibly important issue for us. That was um, an incredibly powerful moment um, and, and one I will, uh, I will always remember. Ian, let's end this conversation on a hopeful and a positive note, because there is hope and positivity out there. My question to you is, what would you point to as key achievements of recent years and what do you envisage will be major milestones of the coming 12 to 24 months, let's say? So I'd like to highlight um, the the role of um, survivors of of abuse um, because that is uh, that is a voice that has become louder and louder um, over the over the past couple of years and particularly um, over over the past year with with the launch of uh, of, of the Brave Movement, which is a, which is a group of um, survivors um, uh, coming together to, to to engage actively in in advocacy, and it's been um, a bit of a milestone year in terms of that powerful survivor voice, which is sharing their story, but also um, talking about based on that lived experience, there's no one better um, to be able to call for, um, for, for more action and necessary 
action and, and, and act as a, as a force for change. It's receiving um, more attention and more, um, more funding. Um, and that's, that's about stopping the harm before it happens. I think if we're, if we're focusing too much on this is terrible material, it's out there, we need to identify it and take it down, that's important. But those are images that are already out there on the internet. What we want to stop is that happening in the first place. And then finally, I think we just know a lot more about the problem than we did before. Um, so research has been um, has been stepped up. Um, there's there's a lot more data coming through, and 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 we have uh, high hopes that there'll be more to come. And then I think in terms of future developments, just to wrap up, I think um, we are um, really excited. Um, by um, the prospects of um, of, of horizon scanning and looking at what are those emerging threats, um, particularly in the um, extended reality, virtual reality space, um, which is which is even now starting, even in its early stages, starting to be a target for offenders. We need to get ahead of that problem. Um, we need to be talking about that um, emerging uh, emerging threat now. We need to be providing support to governments in the global south who are understandably prioritizing getting people online. And we have no um, issue at all with that. That's an incredibly high priority. But as they do that, providing them with the resources and the support to ensure that um, children are able to do that, that safely. Lastly, Ian, before we let you go, if you were able to speak directly to governments, the private sector, civil society and wider communities of actors really looking to tackle child exploitation and abuse online, what would you say to them? I would say the tide is turning. Um, and that's thanks to to all of the people um, who are part of the alliance. I think if you're not part of We Protect Global Alliance, we would we would invite you to join. Come, we need as you know, we're a broad tent. We want as many people involved as possible. Um, everyone has a role to play, and I think it's for every every one of our members and anyone listening is thinking, what can I do? within the space that I, I, I have, within the role that I've got, what can I do? If you're a parent, you can do something. Um, if, if you're a child listening to this, you can do something. Um, if you're a government, you can do something. Everyone um, can, can contribute um, to ending uh, this, this issue and allowing children to, to have fun and, um, and explore and learn on the internet. Ian, sadly, we need to leave our conversation there, but thank you very much for your time. It's been fascinating to talk to you. For those watching and listening around the world who would like to find out more about your organisation and your research, tell them where they can find out. Um, so there's lots of resources on our, our website, um, weprotect.org, um, and that also signposts to um, lots of fantastic resources from our, from our members, and we can, we can point you in the right direction. My thanks again to Ian for joining me today and thank you, of course, as always, to our listeners and our viewers from right around the world. To find more episodes and interviews of this kind, just head to Apple, Spotify or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for watching and join us again next time for another fascinating, in-depth conversation with another thought leader. Until then, take care and goodbye.